Hi and welcome to the Skate Creative Podcast. My name is Joel Curtis. I'm a musician and skateboarder. My guests this week are Neil McDonald from Science vs. Life and Quentin Delisle from Beyond Borders Podcast. Quentin is a French podcaster and has interviewed many important and inspirational skateboarders about their careers or as part of the skateboarding industry. His podcast Beyond Boards has released 36 episodes talking to amazing people from all aspects of skate culture about their lives and experience. Neil is a writer and journalist from Glasgow, Scotland, who has worked for Sidewalk Magazine, Slam City's website and North Magazine to name but a few. He also has maintained the Instagram account Science vs. Life, which he chronicles the history of skateboarding through scans of his magazine collection. Neil has embarked on writing a new book about the history of UK skateboarding from 1987 to 2002. In this episode, I talk to Quentin and Neil about starting their various projects and what keeps them inspired. We also picked one video each to discuss. I really enjoyed talking to both Neil and Quentin about their life and contribution to skateboarding, so do check out all of their work. Links to them and the videos discussed in this episode can be found in the episode show notes. I do hope you enjoy this episode. So I don't, I don't think I've met either of you two in real life. Neil, I might have met you. No, don't think and so. I mean, I expect I've no. been in the same uh, northern warehouse at the same time at some point. <laughs> yeah, but shivering yeah. in a corner somewhere or something like that. Yes, uh, yeah, quite. But no, because are you Glasgow or are you Glasgow? Yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, um, yeah. Up and down to London quite a lot for the for book purposes just now. Yeah, sure. And right was in fact around at Seth's uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, right. Okay. Did you go to his house or was it? Yeah, uh, just yeah. for somewhere quiet to poke, yeah. poke a microphone at it's him. has got a horrible house, hasn't he? Uh, th- th- I just was, fr- I mean, I'm from Glasgow, but I was scared walking about that hood. <laughs> like, it's, <laughs> it's gnarly around there. Um, but yeah. My brother lives in a really nice bit of London. Nice house. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I'd, Seth and I were talking about this as well, and I don't think other than likely having been at a contest or a, a, yeah. a Livy thing or something at Wakefield or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never came up and said, hi. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a pleasure. But you know, like Toby and all those guys and, yeah, yeah. Toby's, yeah, so. yeah just one of the absolute best. Oh, fantastic. A, a good guy, definitely. But, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd be all right with, like, having you both on at once for this thing. I just thought it was, I was kind of thinking about, you know, people who are doing kind of, for want of a better word, new media stuff in skating. And because there seems to, you know, a lot of the people I've interviewed on this as well of like, I've kind of known already. um, And they've either had connections with quite, you know, standard forms of skateboard media and like photographers, videographers, you know, worked at magazines, that kind of thing. So I thought it would be interesting to talk to you two guys about what you do because it is kind of... Uh, well, for start, I like the the content and the stuff that you put out. I think it's really, really good and really great. And so that was a, a big reason to talk to you. But I thought it was interesting to talk, maybe talk to you both on this. And and to be honest as well, this is the first one I've done without knowing the people already. So <laughs> I thought it would be good to just have a bit of a, a bit more of a broader discussion about stuff. And then and then we can maybe talk about those videos as well. But we'll see if we get onto that. If we don't, it's not the end of the world. Um, but there's no, uh, you know, there's. Um, some graspings towards professionalism with this but it's you know just just a fun chat really hopefully and yeah but i suppose we could we could start off by you know uh talking about how you both came to do what you do because obviously you're both skaters um i mean we could talk about how you both started skating if you want i mean that would be good but maybe we could start with uh you quentin sure yeah well thank you again for for having me really appreciate it yeah um 
And uh, yeah, I, I'm 35. Uh, I started skating when I was 13, so in the year 2000. Um, and as I, I was telling you right before we started recording, um, I grew up uh, near Grenoble in France, uh, which is near the Alps. So I skied a lot when I was a child. And, uh, and I, for some reason, when I was 13, I wanted to buy rollerblades like many kids and, and it ended up buying a board and just fell in love with it. And just this regular story, just like everybody else, I guess. Um, and the first video I watched was um, uh, Cliché uh, Europa, the first Cliché video from 97, 98, 99, I'm not too sure, uh, around there. And uh, that blew my mind, obviously. And, and, uh, and yeah, so I fell in love with skating uh, and skated a lot between 13 and 20, I think, yeah, I think I was 20 years old when I broke um, my left ankle, just doing a stupid kickflip over two small steps. But I broke a, a bone in my ankle. It's, it's like a kind of a ball-shaped bone in the ankle that ties everything together, sort of. And I, I, I kind of um, uh, cut it in half, but, which is very rare. Like, uh, I, I, went, I went and did uh, x-rays and stuff. And the doctors told me like, wow, the, I've never seen a fracture like this. Like, how the, how the hell did you do this? And, and, uh, and so it took me like a year and a half to a physical therapy and having a cast for like six months until I could properly walk again and stuff. And so once I stopped on a board again, obviously I was terrified and, and uh, I kept skating in the following years, but I, I never really, you know, committed to skating as much as I used to. Uh, and I've always been afraid of, you know, trying tricks. Like I can still roll around, I can ollie a curve, I can maybe do a 50-50 or very, very basic stuff. But I can, if I try a kickflip, I'm, I'm always afraid I'm going to mess up my ankle again. It's, all, it's, all, it's still very fragile, even years later, and even with yeah. uh, physical therapy and everything. So, so yeah, so, so that's my, my, my path with skating, so to speak. So I was never... Uh, uh, a good skater basically i mean i enjoyed doing it but i was never you know gonna get sponsored or anything but doesn't matter i mean uh the just the only thing that matters obviously is that you love it and that you do it and have fun doing it and um and so and yeah and as for the podcast uh so as i was telling you earlier i i went to Brittany uh when covid started and um and started and stopped drinking at that time and then um so what happened is I, I wanted to, uh, I was looking for podcasts that talked about addiction. Uh, I was interested in learning more about addiction and sobriety and, uh, and I was trying to find some content about that and I couldn't really find any that, that especially in French. So, and um, there, there are a few of course in the States and in Canada and probably in the UK as well for sure. But um, I didn't really find much content, so uh, I just thought, oh, maybe I should just try to do it myself. Like, uh, you don't need much equipment or, you know, knowledge to do a podcast. You need a, a mic, uh, just uh, audio uh, edit editing software or whatever, you know. So I just looked into it and started doing this first podcast, which I called Beyond Bars. Uh, and that, that name was kind of taken from... Um, I think a Bukowski quote, which was in jail, they have the wrong kind of bars. And uh, so I wanted to call the podcast the wrong kind of bars, but it was a very long name. And, uh, and so a friend of mine told me, yeah, just, just call it like beyond bars or something that that's uh, shorter and just uh, easy to remember and everything. 
And so I did that for a few months and I did 12 interviews of this first podcast. It was basically the same kind of like a first version of what I was of what I'm doing now, but just uh, about addiction and sobriety and alcoholism. And and I got to interview two former pro skaters that I had heard uh, talk about sobriety in the States, uh, which are um, Neil Mims. And uh, the second one is Brandon Turner from Shorties and everything. And um, they had talked on the Nine Club about their sobriety and, and probably in other interviews as well. But uh, I had heard about them talk a lot about their sobriety um, on these interviews. And, and I was very much inspired by by what they were saying and sharing and everything. And so I got to interview them. I reached out to them and they were kind enough to agree to do an interview with me. And, um, and so after doing this for a few months, I just um, felt like, okay, I've done 12 episodes. This, this was kind of my objective, you know, when I started, it was like, I'm just gonna do 12 episodes and see, see where it leads me. And, and, then, um, and then I felt like, okay, addiction is not really a passion of mine. Like, obviously it's just something that I was going through and trying to get rid of. And, and, um, and, and after one year sobriety, I was kind of just over this topic and I, I felt like I, I just wanted to focus on something else. Uh, and I had enjoyed very much doing a podcast. So I was like, maybe what, what could I talk about that I'm super passionate about and, and, you know, and, and will probably never get bored of. And skateboarding was an obvious uh, choice, but uh, I was a bit hesitant because I'm not a former pro skater like you. Uh, you know, I have no background in skating apart from the fact that I love skating, which is, a, 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 it's the first step, you know, but, uh, and I had no connections, nothing. So I was kind of, and, and I just didn't feel very legit to do something like this. And also there, there's always also a lot of podcasts out there already. So I was kind of like, yeah, if, uh, I'm not sure. Is this really like useful? Is there, uh, but, and at the same time, I was not very satisfied with the, the offer of podcasts that I found at that time. Like uh, the Nine Club, obviously, was a huge one for me when it started. But yeah. and in more recent times, I, I honestly don't enjoy it as much. And I'm sure a lot of people kind of feel the same way. You know, like the the guests that they have, most of them I'm not that interested in. Um, and uh, some of them are, are cannot. I, I mean, it's just my my. I'm just expressing my opinion. Of course, I'm not saying it's bad or whatever. But um, but yeah, I I just felt like oh. Um, I feel like there's space for a podcast that would talk about skateboarding, but on a, a broader kind of uh, spectrum and, and talk yeah, about things that yeah. revolve around skateboarding. And uh, Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. I mean, so I think that was part of the reason why, why, why I started this one as well, because I think, I mean, like I, yeah, I really love a nine club and, and there's loads of other, like the bunt and stuff like that. They're really good and they've got their own formats and they do their own things, but I did want it to, you know, like, well, I mean, for instance, talking to you guys about different stuff, it's like, you know, it's great to hear like, Pro skaters talk about that stuff, but it is also really interesting to hear people around the subject of, of skating as well. But sure, absolutely. Because, yeah, skateboarding can be seen, it's been documented, and to ask people about tricks, unless there's a really interesting story behind a particular trick or how, how it went down, then it's better just to look at the picture or watch the footage. I want to know what happened afterwards. I want to know what was, you know, in that dude's head at the time. Like, not don't talk like yeah people talking to, to skateboarders about skateboarding it just nowadays i just it, it's less essential i think yeah um the rob plowski bob shirt reminds me of what you do quentin it's like he is over it you know like <laughs> he, um, he asked if 
He's like, oh, do you still skate? And he's like, fuck no, it's, it's hard, it's, it's noisy, it's like, I'm tired. No, it's so much more respectable than the, the whole kind of, oh yeah, you know, I still, I still get down kind of thing. It's, like, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because it's like that, cause that kind of like, you know, I mean, I've, on, a, on a very small level, I've kind of had this myself in that way. That that thing of being skateboarding, being, it was my entire life, you know what I mean? And and I was very, very focused on it in that time. And it's, and it's kind of, it's how I am as a person. I'm very, very, I can be very, very like single-minded about stuff. And um, kind of, I had to just kind of let it go in that way, in that professional capacity. And I, I didn't really skate for, I mean, I still don't very much now. I mean, I do little bits, but I've got a bad back and stuff like that. And yeah, and you have kids and a busy life. Yeah, and, my, yeah. Kid, my kids are older now. My my uh, my son's uh, working in a pub right now. So yeah, he's sixteen. So yeah, he's no pretty, way. pretty old. Wow. Um, uh, <laughs> my, my my second child, Coco, she is uh, twelve. Yeah, so but older, and it's like you know, do more stuff. But yeah, that kind of um, I don't know. It was so funny. It was really interesting seeing that. Um, did you both see that uh, Gino and Chico video that was on Instagram a little bit, a few few weeks, was it a week ago, a little bit? It was um, just them skating and like... Yeah, in San Francisco, right? For, it for was Miami San Francisco, I think it was for, yeah. For, for, yeah, for, I think it was for, to do for some boards for Chico Brands. Yeah, Chico, like, Chico Sticks Chico or Sticks, something, yeah. 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 And it was, it was good. Um, I just seeing that and I was just talking to my brother and I was just like, oh, you know, there's some people who do aging and skateboarding really well. And like that was two of them. You know what I mean? It's like, I still, you know, love seeing footage of those guys and obviously they're like, you know, amazing styles and stuff like that. But sometimes you just think, you know, I don't know how many people are kind of clinging on to something. It's like, well, do, you, do we really need to see that or something? Or I don't know. And that is, I think that is to do with, you know, I'm 44 now. How old are you, Neil? You? I'm fair. Two years older than you. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Cool. So we're, well, we were all roughly the same generation. Right? I mean, yeah. But so it's, it is that thing about getting to that point, you know, in your life and you're just thinking. And I, <laughs> it's funny as well, because saying all this, I also didn't want this podcast to be like old blokes be like, well, oh, everything's not <laughs> the same kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? All that kind of thing as well. But, but I yeah. think there's something to be said for people. I mean, I've certainly had this confirmed from doing all these book interviews, there's something to be said for sitting somebody down who has been through everything. I mean, I've not, I'm not that person, but like I speak to people who have like, and now that they can kind of look back with a more kind of mature mind, a more kind yeah, of developed yeah. sensibility, sure. they can properly kind of appraise how things happened and what went down and, the significance of things that you maybe weren't thinking about when you were literally just bombing about on the skateboard, getting photos and f filming videos. It's like, I think there's the, like this generation, like our generation is the kind of first big generation who are placed to do that. Like there's the old dudes with their yeah, like fair ramps, and their full pads, but in terms of people who still care about the progression of skateboarding, about modern skateboarding, you know, that's us. And we've still, like, yeah, the listening to people of, of this, of the Back to the Future generation talking about what happened. Um, I just, I love it. And I think there's like just immense value in, in asking these people questions and hearing the stories now in retrospect. Like no, nobody's got like any kind of, 
sort of stake in the game anymore necessarily, so they can talk way more objectively than somebody in their twenties who's got companies to rep, who's got a video to to plug, and yeah. you know, you just get a different conversation. Totally. Well, do you want to talk a bit, Neil, about how you started skating and how you came came through with that? And... <coughs> uh, yeah, as I say, Back to the Future generation. I didn't see it until a couple of years later. I didn't see it until 1988. Um, but the same as everybody else my age, I think, just got a skateboard pretty much straight away. You got a shit polyprop. Um, family friend had it lying around or something. And then got Turbo 2, as you do. Um, then probably 89, Christmas Complete was, unfortunately, a Vision Gator. Um, so it's never gonna, <laughs> that's never going to be a wall hanger. Uh, uh, no, no. <laughs> and we, weren't, we weren't to know, though, at the time, so, you know. It's, it's no, totally. Goes, I mean, yeah. Although, that said, Vision know now, and they're still selling it with his name on really? it. Really? Oh, which wow. is okay. kind, of, kind of fucked. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, and yeah, just skated, and yeah, uh, around about, I think, 2007, I sent an abusive email to Sidewalk magazine about their, uh, their review of the World Industries box set, and I stand by it, like it was, it missed so many vitally important parts of that, of, of those videos. And Ben, in his style, basically was, well, fuck you, you do it then. Um, so I, I, I was tasked, tasked with reviewing DVDs in the next issue. All um, oh, right, well, that's good. And that, that email got kind of letter of the month as well, and I get a pair of DC, <laughs> pair of DC that didn't fit. Um, but then, <coughs> excuse me, that led on to, yeah, various things that I guess nobody else wanted to do at the mag, like uh, answering the letters for a bit and then eventually interviewing people, um, interviewing skateboarders about music, interviewing musicians. Through that, I pretty much was able to interview everybody I would have ever wanted to interview because people are really, people are really up for giving an interview to a skate mag because it's like, you know, it's not the music press. Uh, and then in 2013, my parents had both died really close together. So I was clearing out the house and realised that I had a pretty reasonable collection of skate mags still there. And when I'd moved out in the early 2000s, um, I was still buying you know, pretty much all the mags and uh, putting these two piles of magazines together. There's a reasonably you know, approaching a complete collection. Uh, and just started a Tumblr. Tumblr was the thing at the time. It was a thing at the time. Um, just posting up. I think the first thing might have been the Simon Evans interview, because I don't think that had been online at the time. The one from uh, November 92, Read and Destroy. Just a vitally important uh, piece of kind of skate mag history. Um, and the, I think the first time South Bank was threatened, there was a Gavin Hills piece about, uh, with a photo shot by Will Bankhead, um, just this one page talking about the threat to South Bank. So it's kind of interesting that that had, you know, has been lingering for so long. So I wanted to get that 
you know, just wanted it to be Googleable. I suppose wanted that information to be out there, um, and then Instagram became a thing, and eventually, yeah, just moved on to that, and it's still the same scanner that I use. Uh, now is red in twenty thirteen or fourteen. Just now, I suppose I do have a full set of mags. Really, thanks largely to eBay and to Kevin Marks at Lookback Library out in San Diego. He's filled in many gaps. I certainly, especially in the early slaps that were quite hard to find. Um, and yeah, like over the years through through doing this and doing interviews for Slam and North or uh, various other things I've come to know. I think most of the photographers whose work I post, I'm so incredibly lucky to get stuff sent to me to post. Um, yeah, Wig especially. I mean, like I am good friends with Wig now. It's amazing. Um, but yeah, just people will dig out something out of their archive and they'll send it over, which is pretty sick to be able to share that. Um, yeah, amazing. To anybody who cares to search for it, or right, yeah, because I think there's a, uh, I mean, I think the there is a lot of kind of you know, for what of a better word, nostalgia accounts on Instagram and like stuff, and uh, you know the the good ones you can count on one hand like well I can think of yours and that's kind of it really do you know what I mean and that's because the because it's done it's done with a, an eye of someone who knows what they're doing and knows the history of something mm -hmm. and also is you know well scanning things for start not just lifting it from somewhere else or... well that's the thing there's a yeah. lot of screenshot accounts out there um, sure. yeah. vintage skate with underscores being the main one like when that dude started a he was posting, I think, just six posts at a time, so six posts in, like, 90 seconds. And the the first, you know, for days of this, it was entirely stuff that I'd scanned and touched up and, you know, taken the text out and colour-corrected and things like that. Because I want these things to look as close to what the photographer hoped that they would look like, because or to, as much as I can guess what that might be, because magazine reproduction isn't always... It doesn't always flatter an image. So, uh, yeah, just I DM'd this dude saying, like, you know, I appreciate the tribute account, but if you could, like, tag me, since these are, you know, my scans, my retouched things or whatever. And he's like, yeah, just I get everything from Pinterest. It's none of your business. And he blocked me, honestly. Like, so... I still say, like, he still does it. I don't know why, I don't know where he gets it from or why he cares because you'll get photographers wrong. You'll not know the trick or the spot or things like that. And it's just like, why bother? I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much fun that could be. I don't know how much possible enjoyment he could get from that when people are commenting and add, bringing something to it and he's just oblivious. It's like, that's what the, where the pleasure in this is. That's where the joy is. It's somebody saying, interesting thing about that or I was there that day and it's like getting the backstory and that kind of was what led on to thinking that there was there, there, there were enough stories like that to make a book literally right so yeah and that but yeah um I mean Cult of Tom does a good job yeah. Um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. Really on Tom, Tom Penny right yeah right the yeah the, the kind of main Penny tribute there's a few 
penny accounts, but yeah, that dude or those dudes, whoever they are, um, like do it well, they do it respectfully, they do it with care, and it's always good shit. It's not just like, here's this one again. It's <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. That that's that, that I definitely rate those dudes. And every single photographer is posting from their own archive, of course, as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, amazing. So, Quentin, how, how have you felt like Instagram has been something that's been an important part of the podcast for you? Because I kind of have that thing where it's like, you know, I, I feel like my I have an Instagram account for the the podcast, of course, and it's I always feel like I'm I don't really <laughs> I don't really have a grasp on it yet. Of like, it doesn't look very uniform. It's pretty random, and I get. I it usually just a few things pulled from people's, you know, stuff. And I feel like I could work on that better, but I feel like yours is always really good. And you always have a, it has a very, you know, clean look and stuff. And yeah. Like, well, is I, that, has that I, been an important part of kind of reaching out to new listeners and stuff? Oh, for sure. Uh, for me, it's been important, especially to get in touch with, uh, with most of my guests and, and people that I, that I want to interview or, um, or, you know, I also do like at the end of my interviews, I do friends questions uh, with people like friends of the guest. And so I usually, you know, go through the Instagram of the guest and try to find people, uh, either other skaters or people in the industry or just just random friends, you know, uh, who comments on their their things a lot. And um, so. So, yeah, it's been very, very important for me, especially uh, in the beginning to get in touch with people since, you know, as I told you, I was I, I've never been in the industry I've never been a sponsored skater so I had no connections I just had this uh, huge interest for skateboarding but um but I've never been in touch with um, none of the people like most of the people I've interviewed I've actually never met um and, and most of the interviews I've done I've done them over zoom calls like we're doing right now uh, some of them I've been fortunate enough to do them in person but they're not very um yeah there's maybe like five or six or seven uh, among the 30 or so that I've done um, so yeah, Instagram has been a definitely a huge, uh, very resourceful uh, tool for me um, in regards to you know reaching out to people, um, and uh, obviously it's it's a good uh, how do you say uh, um, like in French we say in vitrine like a like a it's like a, a nice face for my podcast kind of sure yeah 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 and, and so kind of like a, sh- a shop front kind of thing isn't it right I exactly yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so. So, so yeah, uh, but, but I, I, I love it and I hate it because it's also, it's, uh, I'm like everybody on Instagram, so addicted to it. Like I, I'm on Instagram all day, hours every day. And sometimes I'm just, I, 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 I start looking at a story from a skater or whatever, someone I know or something. And then 30 minutes later, I'm watching, you know, bunnies jumping over things, whatever, <laughs> just stupid shit. And I'm like, oh, yeah. I, it happened again. You know, I, I fell down the rabbit hole. And yeah, yeah, totally. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's kind but of it's a love-hate relationship. Think, yeah. yeah, completely. I'm the same with it. But it's also, I think, I think that is another generational thing, isn't it? It's like the, yeah. there are people who's like the Instagram thing is like, you know, it is about, well... Like Neil was talking about the guy doing the screenshot stuff, and it's just like there are those people who just kind of on there to do those and get try and get followers and try and get to a certain point where they can make some maybe make some money out of something or I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, it'd be really nice to hear about the book, Neil, and about how, how you started with that. That'd be amazing. Uh, yeah, well. And you said you're doing that full time, are you, at the minute? I quit my job in 2020 to do this I, right. during being furloughed, um, which is possibly stupid i should have just carried on getting money for doing nothing but i kind of i hated my job anyway at the time um there's a 
I'd been playlisting for brands. I had been doing it for about 10 years. It's like it started off doing kind of background music for pubs and things like that, but then it developed to a, I mean, like doing the music for Selfridges and Oxford Street or um, for the Google phone launch was, I think, the last thing I'd worked on. Um, so just like all these like interesting brands, but they all just want the same thing and they all, there's, there's just no kind of room for manoeuvre. It's just, it's kind of a bit of a pointless role and it was totally joyless by the end. So yeah, quit to do this book and the book will exist because it doesn't already. I mean, the amount of times I've wanted to sit down and just read a big thick book about that era of skateboarding, that era being 1987 to 2002. So kind of when modern skateboarding began when street skating properly came in up to when the internet properly came in, basically. So this, that whole area there. And I, I think I was speaking to Ben Powell about something else and I said to him, like, you know, isn't it mad that this thing doesn't exist, that nobody's done this? And he suggested that I do it. I was speaking to Kevin Parrott after that and he also suggested that I do it. It's kind of like, well, these guys aren't going to do it. So, yeah, um, I just got started. Um, and I Specifically about British skateboarding. <clears throat> Absolutely, totally. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's still going to be talk of the trips to SF that people had been making over the years, the kind of loose connections, but it would still be that, yeah, it's completely, um, I don't know where to, I mean, there's sciencevirtuslife.com, it's got a, a kind of new page on it of select quotes. Oh yeah, I saw that, yeah, that's pretty cool, yeah. Cool, right, yeah. Um, thank you, good. It's, yeah, kind of unattributed quotes that hopefully sort of set the tone um it's like what i was saying about how people now can talk so much more objectively about the things that happened and it's like now that people have got the kind of the, the benefit of adulthood um they can kind of think maybe or they, they can talk a bit more about the things that they maybe hadn't thought much about while they were happening so it's really good to be able to yeah everybody without fail so far that I've asked has been up for it um, and has given a great interview. I mean, it is what I do. It's full time. It's not evenings and weekends. It, it couldn't happen if it was a part time, if it was just a hobby thing. Um, it's all I really think about like this and you know, being a dad is all I do. Like I, I couldn't have a job and do this. Um, like even sort of slam interviews, I can't do anymore because those things take a lot of time. Um, I'd kind of, I think, yeah, the last one I wanted to do was Tony Hawk, but then Neil Blender came up, so did that. But yeah, I'm not going to be able to do any other interviews for anything other than the book, but it's like, I've just got like hundreds of thousands of words so far and it's totally ongoing um the photos that are going to be in it there'll be kind of alternate angles classics and the, the photos that somebody you don't know shot with their dad's camera when they were down down the front of 
of that tour or of that contest. So all these things that are lying around, all these stories that are lying around in people's minds or all these images that are lying around in shoeboxes back at somebody's mums or in the attic or something like that. It's like, it's just so exciting. It's There's there's so much to this. And like I was saying about the YouTube, the, the Instagram comments, it's like when, when somebody you've never heard of, kind of or, or you don't know, and will just pop up and tell you something fascinating about what happened that day. Um, it's like these things should be shared beyond you know, Instagram, you guys know, it's like, all right, nice. Ha, nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, nice. It's just, yeah. and, and that's it. It's gone. So it's gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to have this in a, in a big coffee table book, I think, um, it feels appropriate. Yeah. That's amazing. So who have been some of the highlights for the interviews you've done so far? Well, uh, Charlie Burrows of Zone was a good one. Um, he's, I was speaking to him, well, via his wife um, earlier today, so that kind of comes to mind. I, he's somebody that I thought might not be interested in it because everybody that was around M Zone has got things to say about it. Um, right. Quentin yeah. doesn't know M Zone was a, maybe some listeners don't know that M Zone was a, a really kind of influential and kind of uh, seminal shop in London. I can't remember exactly where I, I never went to it because it was quite before my time. It was before Slam opened, wasn't it? Uh, no, it was or in, roughly the same well, time, was it? It yeah. was a BMX shop in Croydon up until uh, okay. about 1987. But as BMX Action Bike turned into yeah. Read and Destroy, and as all yeah. these BMXers started buying skateboards, and then there was the Back to the Future boom anyway, it turned into a skateboard shop called M Zone, Lower Addiscombe uh, Street in Croydon, and then in I think eighty nine, uh, they they opened just off Carnaby Street. So, but they had, I think they were the first UK Stussy account. So it was a big deal in terms of that, and with the face and ID being what they were at the time, with London kind of London culture being as exciting as it was, all the stylists were going there. It wasn't just skateboarding. Like Curtis McCann was on the shop team and that dude was yeah one of the best ever and he looked great wearing Stussy it was just like such this kind of moment in cool stylishness I guess but it was just this chaotic skate shop um the, like there was a lot of booze there's a lot of partying there was a lot of just kind of backdoor and stuff like things were only just kind of fitting together it seems so but yeah, so Charlie Burroughs, who who ran that and then disappeared to LA, where he remains, um, was a good one to get. But pretty much every photographer that I've spoken to has been great because of the stuff that they've... It's kind of... There's a bit of like, oh, well, nobody's asked this before. Yeah, I do have this box of negatives or slides. It's like... And the stuff that I'm seeing is just like... I'd obviously I want to just put it up on Instagram, even just the odd thing, just like holy shit, check this out. But like I, can't, I just yeah can't be doing that. Um, there's, I mean, one that I didn't think would be so kind of interesting, I guess. Um, Johnny Robbo, Johnny Robson from Sidewalk, and then from Unibomber, like like nobody needs to really know who that guy was because he was just always kind of like there sort of in the background doing stuff but like that 
man, it's got regrets. Like, it's just, that was a heavy one. Um, that was quite emotional, um, listening to him um, think about how things went down. Like, Ben Powell had told me that if Johnny Robbo could have been asked, he could have been the editor of Sidewalk. Um, like, he he kind of went to Pielikar with the idea for Unibomber. Like, that's like, he's done brilliant things, but he's just kind of through his own bad decisions has, has blown it. Um, he would and has confirmed that. Like, it was, yeah, interesting to hear him being so kind of open about how sort of badly things went just because of how he was acting at the time. So it's, it's all stuff like this. It's not just like... How many attempts did that front side board slide take? You know, it's like, sure, yeah. It's all well, it's other people's stuff. kind of li- life stories at that, that point, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like the things, like you say, with that 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 bit of distance from it and that bit of perspective and being a bit older and yeah, yeah. seeing those things at the time. You know, yeah. How, how many? In, uh, sorry, sorry. Can I ask a question? Yeah, of course you can. Yeah, yeah that's great. Uh, uh, I'm just wondering how, how many interviews have you done, like roughly so far for the book? Do you know? I think probably about maybe about 200 um, wow. and that's that's not 200 people that you would know it's not 200 people that I knew before I started this it's like so many people that I speak to will say oh yeah you best make sure that you speak to this dude I'll put you in touch and then yeah it turns out this dude actually ran the shop in that town so he's got all these extra stories all these kind of things like that Um it's I mean Dan McGee's a massive one for that. Like every time I speak to him, because his is ongoing because he's such a big part of the story, the things that he did. Yeah. But every time I speak to him, um it is just like oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> He'll have some new gossip or a new angle, yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like you need to ask yeah. this person about that. It's just like sending me off in all these other directions. It's um it's amazing for me, it's fun for me because it's stuff that as a just deep down as I told Gromit that I want to know like I want to know like how much like money Neil Arun made from selling DC samples and (laughs) how much Prada sportswear he bought with it and now I know (laughs) this is the stuff that the stuff that was never in the magazines when the magazines were only monthly there was for a while one and then two then three and then two and then three magazines it was there was only so much that could go in these things. So, and there's, yeah, much of what will be in the book was not fit for going in the magazine because it wasn't like promotional. It wasn't sure, necessarily yeah. positive. Yeah. So the fact now that people, there is, I am kind of finding that people generally have this kind of vibe of, thank you for asking. Like not not me asking, thank you. you know, sure, thank, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm glad somebody has asked kind of thing um you know ben ben powell had said that he's so stoked that his kids will now have this kind of like record of the things that he did you know and yeah history history book yeah yeah and i hope i I hope i hope everybody feels like that yeah definitely i'll look forward to reading it it's amazing Mm. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'll be speaking to you about it or for it, Joel. Soon enough, as I say. Oh, okay, cool. Kind of currently, <laughs> currently doing Seth. Um, got a few. Oh, right, okay. A few yeah, hours yeah. with him. I, right. A couple of weeks ago, and 
I'll get a few. I'll get a follow up over over Zoom. With Don't him. feel obliged just because I've invested you on the podcast. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's your. I mean, it's a book about UK skateboarding. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to be in there for sure. Oh, thanks. Yeah, but that's, yeah, but yeah, that's interesting. That he talked. To, uh, interesting to see what Seth was talking about because I mean, he he was kind of in. Uh, Seth is. I mean, obviously he's my brother, and I kind of bright biased a bit, but it really feel like. When he moved to London from Sheffield, because um, it really felt like he was the one who, not London, kind of has ebbed and flowed so many times with its scene and a different different parts of different kind of crews of different people have had kind of been in the limelight and stuff like that. But I really think Seth was kind of one of those people who was really just wanted to skate the whole time. And I always felt like he was one of the people who really kind of uh, kind of uh, how did he move down maybe 95 97 90, 97 was it yeah I, my memory's fucking shocking as well yeah well that's so. it there's, there's, there's no reason why people like yeah. you should remember things like this but like yeah. I, 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 I've <laughs> got my massive you know reams of spreadsheets and yeah, yeah, notes and things but yeah yeah but yeah, but Seth was what it felt like one of those people in the nineties that really kind of just wanted to skate all the time. And it felt like he was just out all the time. And he kind of was a, a kind of key person there in a way. And like, cause he worked at Slam and it was the kind of epicenter of that stuff. And it was a really I good mean, time maybe, for Slam maybe too. Was, yeah, definitely. I mean, maybe I'm seeing that from, you know, a personal point of view because I was quite involved and, you know, I just got to sleep, go and stay on his couch for weeks on end. To his, yeah. Uh, him, and, him and his wife's, uh, you know, sporadic enthusiasm, but you know, it was, uh, Nice to be part of. I already felt like there was. I did have a kind of a point for that, and it's like still the same. I went. I was in London on um, Thursday, Friday, and just uh, went to see a gig down there. But yeah, I just went to see him in Slam, and it's like he's still the same. You know, he still like knows everybody, and because because I'm I'm quite not very I'm Supreme, not very social not that way. But yeah, you what's that? You went to see him in Supreme, not Slam. I was, uh, did I say Slam? I meant Supreme. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I walked past where Slam was on that trip, I was just walking around that bit and stuff. Yeah, but that's, maybe that's all on my mind. But yeah, but yeah, just the just the same. It's, it's it's rad. But yeah, anyway, personal bit there. Yeah, but um, yeah. So I suppose that's what what have you got coming up next, uh, Quentin? Have you got kind of plans for to try and make the podcast grow, or are you just kind of gonna? Are you happy with how it's going and stuff like that? Have you got any kind of um, things for the future or? Well, I, I mean, I, I just started, as I mentioned before, just as a passion project, you know, with no no real intention with it, and, uh, apart from just having fun and getting to interview people that I've, I've always admired and that I find ha are doing cool shit with skateboarding, around skateboarding. Um, and in that regard, I guess it's a success, so to speak. I mean, I've, I've been able to interview a lot of people that uh, I, 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 I admire a lot and that I, I think are doing interesting things. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and I, I've also been, um, yeah, as I mentioned, I, I, I used to work in the wine business and I, I stopped doing that. So I've been employed for a long time now and I've had a lot of free time on my hands to do this. And as you know, uh, doing interviews and podcasting is a lot of work. Um, a lot of research, a lot of, and I edit a lot of my episodes, like, uh, so every episode I spend hours and hours just editing them to get rid of all the, you know, just, uh, how do you say, like the undesirable noises or whatever, just try, trying to clean them up as much as possible. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I do work a lot on this and, and I've had a lot of fun doing it, but at some point, of course, I'm going to need to make money. <laughs> and uh, 
And so, yeah, so that you were asking me before, like, uh, am I in Paris? And I'm, I'm in Paris right now, but I'm not too sure how long I'm going to be here. Like, I'm, I'm kind of squatting in a, a, a family apartment here for a few weeks. And uh, yeah, just I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do with my life, basically. And, and I need to find a job and, and settle down somewhere. Um, and I, but I'd love to keep doing the podcast for sure. I, I, I don't really want to... Uh, I mean, if, 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 if it could turn into uh, a job, so to speak, or at least make, uh, um, if I could make a bit of money out of it, it would be great. But if not, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I didn't start it with that purpose in mind. And, uh, and if I never make one euro uh, out of it, it doesn't matter. You know, like, I, uh, I guess the value for me has been to interview people that, that I admire and to do things like we're doing right now, getting to talk to people like you. Uh, so... So, so yeah, so yeah, I'm just going to keep it going and uh, hopefully when, once I will have found a new job, uh, I will be able to keep doing the podcast on the side, maybe not as much, maybe I'll, I won't be able to do an episode every two weeks, which is what, what I aim for, uh, what I've been trying to do for the last year or so. Um, and, but once I have like a 40 hour uh, a week job or something, obviously it's going to be very hard to, to uh, do as many interviews, but um yeah. We'll see. Maybe I'll cut it down to once a month or something. And yeah, we'll, yeah. S- we'll see. Yeah. I think that is the difficult thing. I mean, that's the thing I've noticed as well is like, I kind of, I've, I've got to that point with the podcast myself as well. It's like, I've, this is the first one I've done for a while because it's just, uh, it's been summertime. We were away and it's like, the, you know, I do work as well. I work in retail a little bit. It's like, you know, and it's just something I've kind of had to do because I've been mainly kind of, I've been house husband basically. My wife's got a proper job and um, has been been the breadwinner and stuff. So I've it's only been the last kind of year where I've kind of done I've done music stuff and things like that and you know bits of you know sporadic work with that. But COVID just totally knocked that on the head. So so I think that is that it is that tough thing of kind of I don't know making something work in your life as well. I mean I'm sure you're the same Neil with with your stuff and and you know quit quitting your job to do the, the book full-time is quite a quite a major step isn't it and quite a yeah a I, yeah I, i'm reminded of that now and again um yeah <laughs> it's the, the job i did was yeah it, it, it paid well um certainly so kind of living off uh, the remains of money that i had there but yeah i mean thanks to anybody sending me stuff that helps keep me going is you know that's brilliant um but i mean if i was living in a hole in the ground i would still want to get this done i would still want to get this finished it's just it's like there's there's no race to do it it's not like i'm expecting red bull to try and do it or something like that but it's just like i'm have found myself to be fortunate enough to be in this position where through this Instagram account, I am able to ask all the people that I would want to speak to for it, about it. Um, and if, if the people that I do want to speak to aren't on it, then chances are they're only like one or two steps removed from somebody who is. It's like, I mean, somebody like Mike Mansouri, he's been amazing in terms of his network. You know, like the, these people who've just been around everybody, these really well-traveled people who are just are so deep in everything. Seth as well, of course, but it's like there are 
a good amount of people who know every, anybody that I wouldn't be able to get in touch with otherwise. Um, it's so it's it's like I just feel like I ought to. I'm privileged that I'm able to contact these people and. I've got a computer. I can do an interview. So you know, like I've yeah, yeah, got yeah. The, got the magazines. It's like hopefully I've got some reasonable questions, and it's yeah. It just it just needs done. This thing must exist. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. Yeah. So have you got a date for that coming out, or is that is it is it ongoing? Or? Spring twenty four on uh, Palomino Publishing. Um, right. Nick Palomino is started a publishing company. He's going to be putting this out. He's putting out a book of Benjamin DeBert's 90s... Oh, uh, wow, okay. 90s New York photos. Um, but, yeah, um, so I'd phoned Nick right at the beginning just to kind of ask, like, how many pages should this have? What format should it be? What kind of paper should I think about? Because obviously his shop is the, the bookshop. He, he's the kind of skate media guy. And... He kind of started telling me about how much it might cost and how long I should expect it to take, but he just said, look, I'll publish it. So that cut out about six months, probably. I don't know. I've never done yeah. this before, of me shopping this round, trying right. to, trying yeah. to like yeah. convince people at some bit like Faden or something, somewhere that knows... Yeah, bad example because I think they just put out the Palace Descriptions book, which is great. But you know, like yeah. some, some some publisher who doesn't have an yeah, interest yeah, yeah. in skateboarding, completely. Why, yeah. why yeah. this thing is relevant? But um, yeah, but yeah. So so that that was just a massive um, kind of jump start, knowing that I didn't need to try and sell it to somebody. Um, yeah, it's not just going to be people who rode skateboards or shot photos or were around. It's like the, the kind of general cultural impact of UK skateboarding is explored. Like Cheryl Garrett, who edit, edited The Face um, from like, I think, 88 to 95. So sort of from rave, Manchester, through grunge, American thing, obviously, to Britpop. It was like really important years in youth culture in the UK. So. Uh, I spoke to her about Gavin Hills. Um, obviously, he went on to write for The Face after writing for Read and Destroy and then doing Fat with Vernon and Tim. It's like, there's so many people who've got something to say. There's so many people who've got something, something to contribute to this more than just this group of dudes that we know kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it went so much further. It goes so much deeper. I think that's the thing, is that especially looking back on those times in, in I mean... Obviously, the touchstone for us is British skateboarding, but skateboarding in general, just how much that, you know, interacts with other parts of culture, really, with music, with fashion, with all those things, and how, you know, skateboarding has influenced then those things have influenced on skateboarding as well. So it's like that kind of that meshing of all those different things. And There's, yeah, it's Simon Reynolds kind of, he might not be the first person to introduce the, the, this kind of thought, but culture kind of ground us to a bit of a stop in 2000. Everybody's waiting for the millennium. Everybody's waiting for, like, what kind of crazy music are we going to be listening to? Like, what, what are cars going to look like? But it was it just became culture at that time, just became retrospective. Um, it became about classic albums and about reformed bands and about 
kind of old sounds and old styles and things like that. And obviously there's going to be some 12 year old who would think this is laughable. But for me, like overall, it does kind of feel like this massive, exciting cultural shift didn't really happen. It's like things just started to pick, pick from the past. And like the 90s is, <coughs> excuse me, it's like, although it didn't feel like it at the time, but the 90s is like, will be like the 60s or the 70s or the 80s. It was this kind of defining decade in culture that I don't think we're going to see again. I don't think there's, I don't think there can be another decade like that. So I think that was the kind of, not the end of history. That's a, another kind of school of thought altogether. But it's like, now that everything ever is available to everybody, like there doesn't need to be a cultural shift. Like anything kind of new and exciting is going to be referencing something old and it's probably only going to last a week because right, like life now is everything that ever existed all together all at once. But in the nine, you know, up until I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm saying 2000, 2002, but just because that's when the internet came in and there was this mass connectivity and sharing of ideas and of, of, of music and of film and of culture that made everything available. But the nineties was us kind of thinking for ourselves for the last time, maybe. It's an interesting, interesting angle. I've not really, not really thought about that before, but I think it is interesting how, um, well, just how internet culture has just seeped through everything in society, really, and 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 all those, you know, for good and ill, really, of all those things. Because you know, I sometimes just think about the way it's like the way my kids uh, go through whatever it is and how they discover things, and it's like you know, like my twelve-year-old Coco, they were just like. Oh, I could I put an ACDC song? And I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be Highway to Hell or it's going to be this or that. And she was like, oh, no, this one off uh, this new album, the new album there last week. And I was like, really? You, you know that? And it's like, they, she just knows these things through, just through the algorithms and through all those things. And, and it's seen, seen a lot of a lot of culture kind of without irony or without kind of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, kind of in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, seeing everything as just, oh, you can just, you can, you can watch that. You can do this, you can do that. But when we were growing up, it was very kind of camp based, wasn't it? And like you do, you're this, you're this type of person or you like this type of music and you would never dream about listening to another right. something else. Or, and from the, I mean? the kind yeah. of last days of music, like there were people like young front of house managers or brands or marketing people who I'm pretty sure would have thought that the Beatles and Nirvana and Oasis all played the same festival, you know, all lived at the same time. It's just like, that's what old music is. It doesn't matter what, what decade it even came out in. It's just like, that. that's just music. And it wouldn't have mattered to Coco that this is a new ACDC album or, or yeah, if, if it's something yeah. off Back in Black, it's just like, right, ACDC is this thing and I've found this song and I like it. It just, whereas things were more linear for us, but now it's just this, massive kind of chaotic explosion of the past yeah it's interesting how it's all going to kind of develop and go into different things i'm kind of interested to see see how it goes I don't, it's who like knows what's going to happen but yeah. like teenagers buying big boy jeans it's like you know we got our yeah. Oh, yeah. jeans from the from the fat shop these like 44 46 inch waist jeans in <laughs> 
any kind of colours and they were you know, maybe £10 but then there's the blind jeans and the big deals and stuff but like when I see somebody in like those polar jeans it's kind of like it, I mean it doesn't look 90s It's and that's good you know it's like this kind of this reinterpretation or this like yeah. sort of slightly misled version of what we used to do and obviously it's it's an evolution but it's kind of yeah, massively based on a thing that happened before, but not that they're doing it wrong. It's just, yeah, it's just just, thing, just it? a, diff- a different set of rules, isn't it? Really, in a different kind of yeah. different playing field. Yeah, weird. Mm. <laughs> so I did have some other kind of. I I did have some notes as well. We've been going uh, an hour now, and it's been been great. But I was just wondering if you kind of had, but both of you had to pick like one one thing that you've done that you're kind of not proudest of, but kind of one thing that really kind of opened up yeah so quentin is there like a is the one podcast that you you think the, the is the best one the, not this is the best one you've done but the most interesting or well the, w- the one that point? comes to mind for me uh is uh john dalquist from uh Brigariots, uh and well we, we might talk about him later but uh yeah uh i i actually heard about i didn't know about Brigariots uh until uh <coughs> Not that long ago, and uh, I interviewed this guy in France called um, um, Arnaud de Dieu. He he runs um, a kind of a similar program to Brigariets that is very influenced by Brigariets, and it's in Bordeaux. It's called the Shifty Shifty School, and it's um, it's like a communi- communications bachelor bachelor degree. Um, and uh, he told me about about Brigariets, and he told me about Daniel Sankovic, who was involved with them over there and stuff, and. And I didn't really know much about Malmo. I mean, I had heard about Malmo through Pontus's videos and stuff, and but I didn't know the school and anything. And and uh, I just so I just uh, found John on Instagram, and I just noted down somewhere that I should reach out to him. And uh, the next day, randomly, I got a, a DM from him, uh, and he was just he had just listened to an episode I had done with the Patrick O'Dell from Epically Later. And um, and he just wrote me a DM and said, "Hey, I, I listened to your podcast. Great, great work. You know, keep it going, whatever." And and I was like, "Oh, well, that's thank you." And and yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I was actually thinking of reaching out. I'd love to interview you uh, for my podcast uh, if you want. And he said yes. And and uh, and I really enjoyed talking to him because uh, you know his his, uh, his what he's doing over there is obviously very interesting and and uh, bringing skateboarding and education. Uh, I mean. Yeah, there's just so much interesting things over there. And uh, so, yeah, so that conversation, I, I feel, uh, was interesting for me. And uh, and he helped me a lot. He's been a huge supporter and uh, he's given me a lot of advice. He's put me in touch with people uh, like he, he recommended. Oh, you should interview this guy. You should do this. Uh, and he's been telling me for like the last year or so, like, uh, put a Patreon up, uh, do, do this, like make some, make money or something. Like he's really trying to motivate me, you know? Uh, so, so yeah, I'd say that's, that's one episode that I'm particularly proud of. And he's been a huge, uh, huge help and a great inspiration for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So was it for, for you, uh, Neil, was it maybe a slam interview you did or was it anything else for the book or? Yeah, I was trying to think, listening to that brilliant answer. Um, I mean, nothing quite like that. The, just like with it, probably, I would say a slam interview because they've got the, like, unlimited words, like, sidewalk stuff was 
tons of fun to do, but there's only so much that could fit in those pages. Um, the Ian Mackay interview went over two pages, and it was amazing to speak to him. Um, you know, longtime fan, uh, and we kind of kept in touch as well, which was nice. Um, but for Slam, I, Corey Duffel, who I'd originally spoken to, I think 10 years, almost exactly, I think, for Sidewalk, his was good. Um, he, now that he's not, or he'd very, very recently become not pro for a skateboard company, for the first time since he was, you know, a teenager, uh, he opened up massively. He told me lots of things. He was like, I kept in touch with him when I interviewed him, and he's like him and Rachel's wife would stay at ours when they would like occasionally visit the UK. Um, I would speak to him fairly regularly, but then it's like there's loads of stuff I don't know about you that I've either felt awkward asking or. I just felt it's none of my business, but if we make this a slam interview, I can ask you all these things. And obviously the big brother, the big brother interview and not being on foundation anymore and just getting the, the, the kind of a deep dive, um, as people say, um, into what he saw in the industry. I thought that was a good one. Um, Eli Gessner, because I'm a big fan of the things that he did from like 93 until until uh, he sold Zoo. Um, Jeff Pang was good too, in a kind of similar vein. Carol Shipman was excellent because he, it's like what Quentin does, it's like Carol doesn't have a kind of stake in the game anymore. Like he doesn't, he's not He's not got a board to sell, he's not got a video part coming out. He's just like, oh yeah, this guy was a dick. You know, this guy was cool. Like, here's what ha actually happened. It's just like, He's a scaffolder, he's a granddad, he goes for pints, and he's a family man and he's loving it. He's just like, but he was still, got such a massive appreciation for everybody that was around him, everybody that helped him in skateboarding, all the things that he got to do. But he's just, yeah, it was, there was no kind of, he, he didn't have any urge to say that anybody that you would expect to be cool was cool. Like he wasn't like, Oh yeah, that time we hung out with Jason Lee on tour. It was just like yeah, yeah, like not like that at all. Carl was good, obviously. Um, yeah. Now Carl, Carl has always been a, a quite a unique guy, and like yeah, um, still t you know uh, it's 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 always found it so crazy how he could he could be all those things like you know like he is like a you know working class scaffolder guy, but then had this kind of old you know like a massive. You know, arguably one of the best styles ever in skateboarding, and and so so influential on like you know, on an entire generation of things really, and, and kind of just like go, eh, yeah, you know, it's all it was, and it's like, but yeah, but now he's yeah. just super happy to knock off on a Friday and take the grandkids yeah. swimming totally. or something. Oh, he's yeah, just he's yeah. Yeah. loves it. Thanks. But what about yeah. you, Joel? Do you have a favorite interview that you've done so far? Or? Um, I think the one that I would point people into if they've not heard it is the Percy Dean one, actually, because that is, I've known Percy for a long, long time and he's a real good friend of mine. I don't get to see him enough, like as we all don't these days with every, all our friends and old friends, but, um, I, I, I really thought that was, um, he really opened up about a lot of stuff and, and he's uh, just get, get into a bit of the nub of, of, 
of how he kind of came to that end of his, his time at Document and how Document kind of came to an end and, and what he did with his career then and what a success he's made of a lot of so much, so many different things in his, in his career and his, you know, his, his, uh, his working life with this, you know, from all the film and uh, photograph stuff, but like, like his ceramics and all this kind of stuff. So that was one which was really, I, I really thought was great. Cause it's like it, like you're saying with the Corey Duffel thing, it's like, you know, sometimes you don't sit down and like, I've, I, I would never go through with him, like what happened to document really just in a, as a friendship conversation because it's kind of weird you know oh, well, you tell me about that kind of thing it's mm-hmm. kind, of, yeah. kind of odd and it's like you know it was was nice to get that kind of you know a real good breakdown of all that stuff so yeah that was really good but i've i've really enjoyed all of them actually they've been great yeah, but yeah. Mm-hmm. cool um so we can talk about the videos if you want to i mean i don't know how everyone's doing for time or fatigue or cool um yeah well the the videos we each picked video didn't we so um we could have a little talk about those. I mean, not we don't have to talk about them, talk about them massively, but um, we could talk. You'd be pick them, the Neil Mims Nine Club, and there you you referenced that earlier on as well. So, what, what, how, how did you pick that one? Was that just the an inspiration for? Yeah, yeah. So because what I what I was explaining earlier, like um, I, I watched his interview pretty much uh, right at the moment when I was about to quit drinking. Like uh, that was one of. I mean, I've seen that. Uh, uh, I, I, probably until that point, I had seen most of the Nine Club interviews. I, I guess after that, that kind of slowly declined. But, um, but uh, and I remember seeing his and being very inspired by what he was sharing because he he had a very uh, difficult, um, yeah, life with alcoholism and and just uh, handling it and 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 um, being able to go sober and everything. And he had a yeah, it was just interesting to hear him share that. And, um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know, like his, his interview just inspired me very much. And uh, I thought, okay, like if he can do that, do it, uh, despite, you know, being uh, that much in, in a, into addiction, uh, maybe I can, maybe I can do it too, you know. Um, and uh, so that, so I guess uh, his interview was definitely a, a very important uh, moment for me to kind of say, okay, maybe I should just do like no mims, so to speak, you know, like, uh, and, uh, and yeah. And, and so, and, and it obviously the nine club has been a huge influence in my decision to start a podcast. Um, but, uh, yeah, as I said, I, I'm a bit, uh, how do you say, uh, not, not sad, but just a bit disappointed, I guess, with what, how, what it's turning into. And, um, and, uh, I don't really enjoy watching it anymore, but, uh, apart if, if there's like a, a really interesting guest, but yeah, um, now I, 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 I can't really remember even like the last one I, I've watched, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I listen to yours, uh, very often. I listen to the bunt, uh, the bunt is, uh, uh, like, a obviously they have a very, uh, specific kind of, uh, um, way of doing things uh which is not necessarily what i love about skateboarding but i i like that they stick to it and that they have an identity and uh and and yeah so uh, i can only applaud that and uh they do they do them they do it they do it well and they've been doing it consistently for years so so i find that inspiring um so i I love karan's one on that was amazing that was really funny which Karen one? Gale. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the bun was really right. Fun. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that was a little a little while ago, like a year ago yeah. or something. Yeah, I think so. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's right. It that was a good one. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so Neil, you picked the the South Bank video. Yeah, um, 
I should say though that um, Quentin talked about the Neil Mims Nine Club, which I haven't seen, but um, he does make me want to watch it now, and it might be the last Nine Club thing I ever watch. Um, <laughs> I should say that I recently interviewed John Rattray for the Skateboarders Companion about this the Why So Sad mission, and that would be probably top three. Like that was something pretty different. That was that's out in the new issue now but it's like hopefully it'll go online I don't know how that works but uh, you, yeah, you just that's... interviewed him as well right uh, Joel I did a, a little not, bit ago yeah yeah a few yeah. months ago like not not that long ago yeah yeah. sorry to cut you off yeah, yeah. No, no not at all yeah it's important to get this out <laughs> uh, but yeah the South Bank video I, it's kind of at the front of my mind this few these last few weeks just because of the book and been going through the the six pack doing interviews with them these kind of six or seven or eight dudes who were known as the six pack who it had been said got favorable coverage in read and destroy but it's probably just more that they were the best they were skating the best and they looked the best and they were always up for skating when tim Leighton boyce would turn up with his camera and his car so i yeah i've been watching the south bank video quite a lot it's simon and corin casey made this uh two brothers who certainly for a time had a flat on shaftesbury avenue i a good place to be in 1991 um Mistaken ID on Instagram is Simon, and I think his a uh, his YouTube. I'm pretty sure is Mistaken ID, and that's where you'll find the the South Bank video. But yeah, it's easily searchable. It's the South New World Bank video, and it's in two parts. In fact, the, the, there's a version where it's the full thing, a uh, and it's everybody who was skating South Bank at the time, South Bank and Shell and the Yellow Blocks and meanwhile too, it's just this snapshot into what I presume was probably a few days of skateboarding in London in 1991. The footage of Simon Evans, of Curtis McCann, of Tony Luckhurst, of it's like all the dudes who were Matt Stewart, all the everybody who Matt McMullen who were there, Alex Moles in it, um, from his regular trips that he was making down from Oxford to stay with Matt McMullen. It's just it's this kind of frantic VHS, just half hour. Um, I think it's, a, it's it's not even that. Maybe it's about twenty minutes. Just barrage of kind of modernism, of stylish. Stylish London, modern skateboarding, cutting edge shit. It's like it's the most Curtis footage, or the most kind of progressive Curtis footage. Obviously, Skypage part is kind of the one, but the stuff that's in this video is really shows like how that how much that dude was ripping. Like that he was coming out and he was skating like that. You know, it's like it's not like yeah i mean I, I don't imagine it took very long because it's much of it's the same outfits kind of same weather um a lot of it's at night um so when south bank was quite dark anyway it's no graffiti obviously south bank looked great um and these people these teenagers are just innovating every single day and thankfully the casey brothers filmed it and put this video together and anybody that's interested in 
the kind of modern version of skateboarding or of skateboarding in London should, who hasn't seen it, should definitely see it. Yeah, it was, I, I, I don't think I've seen that before, actually. I've, I was watching it today and I was just like, shit, I don't think I've seen this. Because mm. it's like, um, you know, like Ruben Goodyear's got a part. And mm. It's not Ruben even parts, to, it's just like this yeah, like yeah. barrage of a collage of a chaos <laughs> yeah, section. Stuff, yeah. But yeah, Ruben used to come to Sheffield all the time. His, him, he kind of used to, I think his mum or his dad lived in Sheffield. And he just used to turn up every now and again, like this was, yeah, kind of 90s I and stuff like that. I heard Seth, that from Seth, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and uh, Seth still goes skating with him every now and again as well. Now, like they go, you can, you know, Ruben was one of those other people. Who's like he really was just like that level of talent where he could, have, you know, totally been pro, totally just like amazing style. And like I see, I think Seth showed me some footage of him skating. They go and skate this, this bowl somewhere. I can't remember. I think it might be it was some skate park in just outside of London. And like he can still just do amazing Smith grinds. It's like Shipman's another one like that. Like he'll he he'd literally not step on his board for ten years and yeah. still be able to do a Mayday like a Mayday mm-hmm. grind like twenty foot. Uh, yes. scale, you know what I mean? Just just go wow. like that. But yeah. But yeah, really mm-hmm. was amazing. So yeah, that was amazing to to see that. It was great. Yeah. So the one I picked was the 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 bigger, bigger guest video, um, which was the from Pocket Skateboard Magazine, which I think they put out some really really good content. Those guys, especially yeah. the followed videos, yeah. I think they're they're really really good. The actual mm-hmm. magazine um, is a masterpiece. That's like it's, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen one. I don't. I, yeah, I, it's hard. It's back. weird. You're right. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I've not actually seen a hard copy of it. But yeah, I just I just see the kind of internet stuff. But yeah, me but this too. was a really yeah. interesting interesting video just about about that school. And I didn't know like, I didn't really know how long that had been there for a start. It was like coming up fifteen years maybe or something like that. But yeah, two thousand six I think it was two thousand six. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Sixteen years. Yeah, sixteen years. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that I, I suppose just you know as we were talking about how the way culture develops and all those things and it's like you just wish every part of education could be like this, you know, they're just like, I mean, it doesn't have to be just for skateboarding. You know, you can think about it with any subject with art or with music or with, you know, football or, you know, all kinds of stuff. It's like, if you had all these, cause I, mean, I, I don't know what your guys experience of school are, but I, I'm, I'm really dyslexic. I'm, I'm just, I just did, I left school with one GCSE at C in art and that was it. Yeah, I died a C in art and a C in English, the things that you can turn up on the day of the exam and watch yeah. your way through. <laughs> but you, you mentioned exactly, yeah. uh, fo- fo- you mentioned football, art and music and these things have kind of yeah. all always been taught much as, sure. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. much as kind of like free, sort of kind of free expressive activities they are. Skateboarding, yeah had never really been taught other than somebody a bit bigger than you telling you to push down your front foot when you're dropping in, to put your weight forward or to turn your shoulders for an axle stall or things like that. So it was really weird, I thought, seeing literally a classroom and a guy talking about like wheel sizes to (laughs) a bunch of people at a desk. It's like... Yeah, I mean, I guess that's where skateboarding is now. It's like, yes, well, it's but an I Olympic think, sport. It's... I think that's an interesting side of it, but it's it's using that as a conduit to to educate people. I suppose that's the that, yeah. I think that's what I got from it was the kind of like like skateboarding is the basis why everybody's there. But yeah. through that, you can teach so many different things. You know, you can yeah. reference it in other in every subject that you do and things like that with writing with you know. Swedish yeah, 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 yeah. Bring, bring, bring that passion to other subjects, yeah. Yeah, just and just use that as a basis for stuff. So, yeah, 
I thought that was really interesting and just like, because I think in, especially in this country, it's like, I think not everywhere in Europe, but I feel like especially Scandinavian countries, they, they really do try and, you know, innovate stuff, especially to do with education and things like that. And, and think about it in such a massively more broad way than we do, especially in Britain. It's just, it feels so stilted and feels so just containing really. And I, I just, I, you know, even with my kids at school, there's some stuff you're just like, shit, that's really, you know, like, like Coco goes to an all girls school and sometimes it's just like, you know, just the whole thing with gender at the minute and all that kind of stuff. And they, they won't, they won't admit any of that stuff or acknowledge any of that stuff. And it's less like, it's so weird. And yeah, anyway. And um, any, any changes are in the education system in general are going to take so long to be yeah. implemented, to be signed off and approved by all these different, it's just going to be years and years, it feels here in the UK for that to happen. But yeah, as you say, like in, in Copenhagen as well, there's a kind of skate school where you can be a skateboarder and do art and get funded and things like that. It's just yeah, an absolute other world. Yeah, and, and when you think of all the skaters that have come out of that school, there, there's some crazy talent, and, and uh, not just good skateboarders, but just uh, just stylish, you know, and that really unique skateboarders. Like uh, when I don't know, yeah, it's just very inspiring to to see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, I, w I wish I could have gone to a school like this. Yeah, <laughs> high school was such a painful process for me. So yeah. I wish uh, mine could have been a bit more like that, yeah. <laughs> um, well, we've done an hour and a half. I think that's that's loads. Is um, I'm just gonna have a look, quick look at my notes and just see if there's anything. Uh, there was one one kind of like not a, a kind of a question that might be good to end on maybe. So, if you could pick one skate artifact to have, like could be anything. I don't know anything from skateboarding history or anything like that. What would it be? And what, what did you have it in your house, or what would you do with it? So I was trying to think about this, and I, I I don't know what I came up with, but I think I probably would have come up with like any 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 board that Gons had written. I suppose they used to be in Slam. You've probably had this on the on your interviews, but they used to be the Gons's board that uh, he only did the the Meanwhile Gap on the Paul Simon photo. Yeah, yeah. The, that that actual board was in slam just in in the board racks in there so it just it was floating around for years and just like i kept saying seth seth you've got to take that board you've got you've got to just take it but then i think yeah paul kevin got it i think uh, or think i think paul got it anyway but yeah it was just incredible to have this see this and this was you know when seth was there it was you know obviously 90s late 90s early 2000s so it's, it had been in the shop for 10 years or whatever but but I just thought it was a, a, an interesting one to think about. So I, if I was going to pick one, I'd probably want to pick one of the those Beamer boards that he rides in, like a, a lot of the, the any one of those I would I would pick to have. I don't. That's mind. a good one. I don't. Yeah. I don't have. I don't have boards on the wall, but I might have that one on the wall, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, either of you can think of one, or is that that kind of jump on you? But. Um, I I have I don't know if it's a good or interesting one, but. Uh, uh, I, I used to have a, a board uh, from a cliche board from uh, a, I, I think he's probably my favorite skater of all time, Lucas Puig, uh, or uh, not my favorite skater of all time, but obviously someone that I admire a lot. We're the same age. He's from 87 like me, and he's still obviously amazing on a board. And, uh, and he's become such a like, a, yeah, I, I don't know if you guys saw on 
on Instagram, he just he was just in a in a commercial for Adidas with Zinedine Zidane, the French. I was looking at this, just thinking like that. That's so weird. <laughs> um, but anyways, yeah, he's obviously a skater that I admire and uh, worship. And uh, I used to have a cliche board uh, of his, and I think the artwork was from Fernando Elvira, uh, that he made a board series for cliche a while ago. And uh, and yeah, and I lost that board um, at some point, and I I'm a bit bummed about it. Yeah, I wish I still right. had it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. that's uh, amazing. Are <laughs> <laughs> you Neil? It would probably be like something boring, like a World Industries catalog that I don't have, or something. Right. Just like some <laughs> kind of gap filling bit of sort of product marketing. I. To go back to Carl Shipman, um, that I mentioned this before, but after I interviewed him, oh, during the interview, I'd asked if there was anything that he still had from his time as a pro skateboarder, and he said that he had his DC Super Tour shirt, um, and he only had that because he had given it to his dad, and he'd been to all the rest of his skate stuff years ago, but his dad had it framed on the wall, and his dad had died, so him and Katrina, his wife, had cleaned out his dad's house, and he had this at home, and it's like, fuck, you know, it's like, that's so important that you have that, I'm really glad you have it, and he said, well, it sounds like you would like it more than I would, and a couple of days later, this crumpled up thing in a Safeways bag, taped up, appeared, and uh, yeah, sure enough, like, Carl Shipman's super t- DC Super Tour shirt, kind of a nice thing to have but yeah probably some like like an anarchic adjustment catalogue or something like some kind of press release or something just some yeah something that probably just doesn't exist anymore like I mean it'd be right. nice nice to have a, a brick from EMB and all but oh yeah like, <laughs> yeah it's just something that I've not thought of that probably exists some yeah some kind of catalogue some yeah picture of some product or something mm-hmm. yeah the, uh, the only other one i can think of like that was um jason dill left his um sleeveless iron maiden t-shirt at seth's house right and oh, nice. I, I, I was like i'm taking that t-shirt and i had it in my house it's, it's the one that you've you know, the start of photosynthesis there's all those yeah, photos yeah totally on. it's the turquoise one that he's yeah. wearing so okay. i had that in my house for ages and like I used to put I used to put it on sometimes, but I was like little skinny arms, so it's like I was oh, yeah. like I, I, there's no way I can wear it because he's he's quite he's quite broad across the top. I think Jason Dill it was then, but but you were so, you were yeah. you were running the metal shirts though. Oh yeah, totally yeah yeah. But then, but then he came back and he was like uh, he said Seth, oh, have you still got that T-shirt? And I was and he was like no, brother's got it. So I had to send it him back. But no yeah. way, so really? I don't, I don't oh, have it still. Okay. So he, he got it back. But yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I guess for it back. <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> That's funny, that yeah, like, cool. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was the thing. That's a good question, though, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's like, when you go on eBay, um, and it's like, right, what do I need? It's like, kind of nothing, really. I don't know, like, what, what, <laughs> what, what exists? What, yeah. what, what is there? <laughs> it's that thing about stuff as well. I mean, I'm sure you've, you've got it with magazines. It's like, you know, that's, it's, they're, they're kind of, they're big and heavy when they get you get lots of them. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 a lot of lot of space. It's you know? a solid, <laughs> yeah. It's a solid thing. I do love yeah. stuff. I've got stuff, but yeah, it just it's stuff that kind of comes your way rather than stuff that you seek out, isn't it? It's like yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you you acquire stuff from somebody having a clear out rather than from seeking it out. Yeah, completely. Yeah. 
I mean, it's, uh, there's, I used to ride for SB and I had all those dunks, all those expensive ones, and I just, yeah, they, I just gave them all, a lot of them away and stuff like that, which yeah. I kind of regret now. But, <laughs> but you, you know, I skated lots of them as well, but, um, you know, it's the way it goes. But Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like, like every second person I interviewed who skateboarded is telling me about their first setup or something and telling me how they wish they still had that board. But it's like... Mm. But that Christmas in 1988, when you got that board, as yeah. if you would not skate it, it's like exactly all yeah, that yeah. matters is skating it. Like the boards I've had, like I desperately wish I'd I had now, but I don't wish I didn't skate them at the time because it was your board at the time. It's like you shouldn't think that with shoes either. There's shoes that I'm so glad to have had completely, and yeah, I love yeah. shoes, yeah, but totally. yeah, just yeah, I wish I had photos of me in them rather than yeah. I, I wish <laughs> yeah. I'd kept actual them. things, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Pretty cool, good. amazing. Well, I think that's uh, that's way more than enough. And I thank you both so much for doing this. It's really been really good. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Both, yeah. I like I say, I'm both just a big fan of both of what you do, and I think it's really good. And you know, we've um, uh, the the more people that see what you do, the better, really. So yeah, definitely. Thanks so much. Yeah, yeah. appreciate it. I'm a big admirer of you both. So yeah, I look forward to to your book, Neil, and and to more yeah, episodes to from too. you, Joel. Great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hopefully gonna get back on it. I've been a bit kind of had a, been a bit of a slack summer and then getting COVID and all that shit. So I've had to get back on it. But hope, hopefully, yeah, line, lining a few up. So yeah. Cool. Brilliant. Yeah, look forward to it. Amazing. Awesome. Really, well, thank you guys so much. Both. Yeah, yeah, good to meet yeah. you, Quentin. And yeah, yeah absolutely. You. See you around, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll be in touch uh, for in for touch the release and everything. Yeah, yeah. of yeah, course. Sure. Yeah, he'll know all about uh, it. Uh, <laughs> definitely. Cheers, cool. guys. Cheers. Amazing. Have a great rest of the week, and yeah, I'll speak to you again soon. Cool. Absolutely. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys. Thanks to Quentin and Neil for being my guest this episode. You can find out more about them and their work by following the links in this podcast description. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening by searching for the Skate Creative Podcast. And if you have time, please leave us a review. It helps the podcast be more visible and reach more listeners. You can follow us on Instagram at the Skate Creative Podcast for more information on up-and-coming guests and episodes. I'll be back in a couple of weeks' time with another episode talking to more people about skateboarding and creativity. I do hope you can join me then. If you have been, thanks for listening.